everybody. We're on another driving edition of the World's Okayest Mountain Bike Podcast. We've got Kyle in the car. We just left Potosi. We're heading down to Ironton to do a little hike bike on Shepherd Mountain. See what's been completed since last time we were there. We're meeting the uh, Sunday Shuddits guys down there for a Saturday edition of oh. Sunday Shuddits. Sunday Shreddits. Yep. Shreddits? Yeah, check them out uh, Instagram and Facebook and social media. So it's at Sunday Shreddits. We're also going 40 mile an hour behind uh, Dodge Ram. With it's a, not pulling a trailer or anything. With its tow mirrors out. With its tow mirrors out. I don't, I don't know what's going on or why we're going so slow. But the topic of the day is when should Clint buy a new bike? And also, should you, a listener, buy a new bike? answer is yes new bike day is always the best day should, the other question is should you ask kyle for for bike advice oh, that's what was happening there always uh see what you got to do with kyle is give him a price range of what you're looking for and then he will come back with a suggestion that costs twice as much as your price range <laughs> That's, that's not true. That's no, absolutely true. Unless you come to me and say, I want to ride Shepherd Mountain with an $800 bike, and then that'll happen. Well, that would be a bad idea. Right. But you could come say, hey, I'm looking, I'm in the market for a, a $2,500 full suspension. And Kyle will be like, well, let me show you this uh, Trek Fuel EX 9.9. It's just uh, three or $4,000 more. No biggie. <laughs> it's, but it's all carbon, you know, totally worth it. So here's what happens, though, is that I get, a, I get customers that come in and say, hey, I want a full suspension bike. And then we start looking at bikes, and they're like, well, I'm going to add a carbon bar, and I should probably buy carbon wheels, and then we should do this. And I'm like, well, you're, now you're looking at spending $7,000 on a bike you could have had for $5,000. And so that's how we end up there. I, I, always reckon, I, I, I always try to stick to price ranges, though, unless you're trying to spend $500 on a mountain bike, and then I tell you, you can't buy a mountain bike for $500. Those don't exist. Not, not yeah. a real mountain bike. And I'm, I'm definitely not an upgrade guy myself. I'm more of a find the build you want. It's highly unlikely that you will ever save money buying a lower spec build, taking parts off it, trying to sell them, and then buying nicer parts. No, you'll never save money. You'll, I just don't see that. That's just very unlikely to happen, especially right now, because good luck finding parts. But this, the market for used parts and bikes is better than ever. Right. So if you have a line on the new stuff that you want, you can get top dollar currently for new takeoff parts and bikes. Yeah. So here's my deal. And I mean, I, if, if I was, if I uh, become wildly successful at my new job, by the way, I have started a career in wealth management, financial planning. It's been uh, probably a year and a half in the making of just getting to this point. I work for a bank, so if anybody needs investment advice or wants to come up with a financial plan and get on the road to that, hit me up. Just uh, hit us up at the podcast email. It's okaystmtb@gmail.com. Okay, that's a terrible shameless plug. That was a sh- that, that was shameful. That was a straight. Shameful anyway, plug. I have <laughs> a really sweet looking bike. All right, I'll put a picture of it of it up on Facebook. Um, like I, if Zach Morris from from uh, Saved by the Bell Saved by the Bell had a bike, this is what it would look like. That's what it would look like, yeah. yeah. It's a Trek slash 9.8. It's 2019. I've got the neon yellow rear end blended with the bright Miami blue, green. Miami. They call it Miami green. It's 
It's like a sky blue teal. It's like a, it's like on the green side of Tiffany blue. Yeah. Yeah. And then I have these sweet pink custom Trek stickers with yeah, the drop Trek. shadow. It looks great. But the new Trek Slash just came out. And, uh... It's the best bike ever. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. It sounds pretty good. The reviews are good. People say it hasn't lost, like, totally lost its its playfulness for an enduro bike. Because I was worried about that. I thought, if this is another... If it's just an absolute sled, um, I don't know if I, my next bike was going to be a Trek. I was going to look at some other options because the current Trek Slash even though you know, it was designed and it was really came out in late 2016, this frame design I'm on, but it still makes for like an okay trail bike. It's, it has kind of a lighter feeling. It's not just a pure sled. Now the trade-off is I, I don't think when I'm charging straight into a rough section that it just, it's not a magic carpet ride, which is fine with me. Um, and I've, you know, I just had the suspension fully rebuilt. I love the spec on it. You know, I've got it dialed for me. But the question is, should I sell it this year while there's some good value with it, while the market's good, and uh, order a new bike, and then play the waiting game and not knowing how long it's going to take for that to come in? Or should I hang on to this one uh, until maybe next spring or so? Well... You know, that's the question. So, judging by the market, you might be holding it on to it till next spring anyways, depending on what the availability is of the replacement bike you want to get and what model you want to do. Now, I will say that when I first saw the colors for the Trek Slash, uh, I was not impressed. However, I've seen a couple of them in person now, and then I've seen a couple of the ones posted online, and it looks super cool. It really does. Yeah, I'm not sure which one I'd even try to get if I try to get the black or like the dark blue with the well, red. The it, like the well, it's, it's like a raw carbon on. It's a clear coated raw carbon weave with the blood red clear coat on certain sections, and it, it looks incredible. Like I was really impressed at how how that bike looks, at, not on the dealer site, like actually just like photos of it in the wild per se. Right. So I'd probably go with that, and then maybe have my wife whip up some custom some color accents on the cricket or I actually talked to a sign shop that uh, they didn't really see any reason they couldn't do a sweet wrap on mine so uh, maybe do a, a frame wrap with some cool looking graphics I don't know but the idea though is is that you would be able to get into the newest of new and buy yourself another two to three years in that bike because I think I don't think that is going to change and I think that bike is going to be a tough front runner and a top of the a top of the industry mm -hmm. for for the next two years. Yeah, and so what makes this a little more even more difficult is, you know, I, I still probably would go with the slash because I think I could get the best deal on that for the parts. And it is a full blown enduro race bike now, like no question about it. And you know, Shepherd Mountain is my home trail, so. It's certainly like the right tool for that job. hundred percent. Like it's I, definitely the right tool now for where we're at. I'm not going to be overbiked for where I ride the most. Correct. And I'm, I'm even at the point now. So I just got myself a brand new Trek Remedy. Uh, it's a 27.5 bike. And I've been on 27.5 bikes for, gosh, going on five years now, four, 
four years now, and I know that they are not as fast. I'm not real fast. Clinton and Ryan and the rest of the guys I ride with will tell you that. Um, but I like having fun, and the 27.5 bike is more fun for me. However, after riding Shepard and then seeing the spec and kind of what the build is on the new Slash, this might be my last year in a 27.5 Remedy. I might end up in a Slash for 2022. And I, I wish you had bought a Slash because then I, all my questions would be answered because what I would do is just ride my bike until you're ready to sell your Slash next year <laughs> and, get a, and then a, buy your Slash and, and it practically a, be brand new. I get a brand new Slash for half price at the end of the year. Exactly. <laughs> Gosh. I was so hoping. I had so much hope that that's what would happen. Uh, but anyway, look, the, the new Trek Slash, there's a few things I, I left was left scratching my head about. Now, our theory is this has more to do with supply availability than it does engineers saying this is the best thing to put on the bike. Uh, Mitch, the Trek guy on the Pink Bike forums, was that was not his take. You know, he was saying this is, you know, we, what we thought was best. But it comes with... 175 millimeter cranks. Um, I run 170s. I don't have any desire to have longer crank arms than that. Uh, it comes with a new, uh, the, the front chain ring is gone from a 32 to a 30. While the rear cassette range has gone up on the, the biggest gear to a 52. So my granny gear would be going from a 32-50 to a 30-52 which, while I think I would enjoy that because I don't want to use a ton of energy on the climbs and waste my legs, I feel like I'm going to be in the highest gear. I mean, I think I'm going to be in, you know, behind the tape in a track stand ready to start my run, already clicked into my highest gear with that 32 front chain ring. I mean, I usually start in like third, maybe. Do you really? You, you're third out of the fourth? gate third? Well, depending on where the start is, but of the stage, but. I mean, I'll start that high for sure. Okay. And so I'm thinking I'm going to be spin. I'm going to be spun out before I even make it 30 yards down the trail. See, I thought that was a weird choice too. The 32 has been standard in the industry for so long, and now even with the 1052 cassettes, I'm personally even considering going to a 34 front for that same reason. Um, and, and especially for me because I'm on a 27.5 bike, so I'm on a 27.5 bike. Um, with a 52-tooth rear cog, I don't see any reason at all not to be in a 34 or 36. But see, here's here's where I go. Maybe this would work because when you think about, okay, how much speed is there to be gained by pedaling more? If you're in a, if you're in a situation where you are spinning out in your highest gear, how downhill is that and how fast do you have to be going? And it's the thing is, I don't think you'll encounter that kind of speed on an enduro course. I just don't. I, I think in a, a real enduro trail that's on real single track, you will not be spun out at 3010. Well, and I, if, if you are going that fast, you're probably not. You wouldn't be pedaling anyway. Right. Now, you'd be, now you'd be only, tucking. You'd be pumping. Right. You probably would be in some rough terrain. You'd be more afraid of striking a pedal. I agree. And with it, those and 175s. Now, the only place where I, could, I would see you... Where, where you might spin out at 3010 is at a bike park. So, like, if you're at Colorado or Whistler, you're riding, like, a real bike park where it's nice and wide open. You're talking about 10-foot, 8-foot wide trails. Um, you know, I, I feel like you, you have a higher chance of being spun out there at a 3010 than you would be ever in a, uh, in, in, on a real mountain bike trail. 
Kyle. I'm a little worried Weatherman might have lied to us. Uh, I was going to say, man, it is uh, raining and we're, what, two miles out now from our no, trail? No, no, we're still ten minutes at least away. I think we'll be all right. It's light skies up there. <laughs> This is going to be, you know, what's really fun is uh, taking your brand new bike that you just finished building at 11 o'clock last night, throwing it in a car, driving two hours through a driving rain to get to your buddy's house, to load it up to his house, to drive another 30 minutes through driving rain before okay. you ever even spin it. Hold I've up. never even sat on the bike yet. This I is not driving rain. New. This is mist. It is, it is raining. This your is wipe, sprinkle mist. Your wipers are on. Yeah, my wipers are on because the road's wet. <laughs> but to be fair, so I, I have Rain-X. I, I can turn them even, off. If I haven't even put better. my butt on the saddle and clicked into a pedal on this bike yet. It is perfect, and I it's it's already sopping wet, and it's, I I hate that. Uh, and we'll see what we get when we get to the trail. But man, I hope it's not wet at the trailhead. This is why if you ever get a chance to buy a used bike from Kyle Krangle, <laughs> just if it's the kind of bike you're looking for, do not hesitate. Do not hesitate because it will be pristine. It will have extremely low mileage on it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll definitely attest that three of the four scratches on my bike were put there by Clinton. You know what I really need to make my decision is the rest of the trails down here need to be finished. Because what I have to remember is the trail that we keep riding is, at least for phase one, it's the hardest one. It's going to be the steepest, roughest, right. toughest, but that's the race most trail. enduro race trail that's here. So while the new slash certainly would be, an, uh, I, I have no doubt I'd probably go faster on it it's down a, this trail. The new slash is a, is a podium bike. But uh, the other trails, you know, there really might not be anything to gain and maybe some, some playfulness to lose. Yeah, we'll see. I'm curious. I, I like, like I that new shock, though, man. Um, no more reactive. So there's a question for you, Clinton. So what if what is the kingest of king shocks right now for mountain bikes from Rock Shocks or Fox? Probably the Fox Float X2, I think, is still kind of which I could put on the bike I have, but I problem is finding one and not spending a ton of money. In the right size. And honestly the, the shock I have, once I put that Meg Neg on there, it's pretty good. It's it's pretty good. It's pretty racy. I'm sure the Fox what would do you make think? it more of a very smooth sled. What do you think I should do? So, do you think I should keep my DPX2 that I have on this bike? For your bike and what the way you like to ride, yes. Okay. I think the DPX2, from what I read, it gives you a little more of a playful support. Poppy. Yeah. You know, it's a little more bouncy. Yeah, that's, that's, that's uh, what I like to ride. And you're not going to be doing a ton of just plowing. No. It's just not your jam. I'm just not, like. I'm not fast. Now, hopefully this green trail you've been working on is dry because from what I've written of it, it's like your, it's your trail. Oh, really? We call it Kyle's trail. And that sounds terrible like that my trail is a green smooth. trail. Well, but there's a lot of side, it, there's a blue trail in it. You okay. just have to go looking for it off the sides. So it's a green with a blue off the edges and plenty of little poppy, not even little. I mean, the very first optional jump is huge. Like it's long. You really? have to pedal, you have to go fast to get the distance to really land where you want to. Jump down into like a bowl Okay. And then, like, steep uphill berm out. Okay. It's so fun. We'll probably session that because it's right at the top, and you can do it and just, like, go right back to the top without getting tired. Awesome. After I do, I do, hey, I, look, we're out of the rain. I do like me some A-line for sure. Okay, so here's here's some other options, though, for me. We're talking new bike. 
it's very possible, it's possible, even though the wait time on these is also six months out, that that we could be in the market for like a transition sentinel. It should be the same travel numbers as what I've got, but I don't think it comes with the new 38 millimeter fork. Is it, is it coming with a sure. or a 36? I think it comes with a 36, <laughs> which would be fine. I mean, honestly, I, I as do, long as you're, I, I think 160 travel and below, I don't think the 38 mils. I've never ridden anything in my life where I thought to myself, I wish my 36 millimeter stanchion fork was more torsionally stiff. <laughs> I, like, how would you know? But I, then again, if you, if you haven't tried both, you can't. No, maybe it I, will feel totally. like amazing, and you're like, "Wow, I didn't even know that maybe that pot feeling was possible." Maybe it tracks way better, but I I couldn't picture a bike riding any better than it has with my my previous Lyric Ultimate or my Fox Thirty Six Factory fork that I've got now. Like that just I that's the that's the pinnacle of suspension forks. Well, uh, people think still think the Minion DHF is the pinnacle of tire technology. Sure, and I'm like, have you ridden anything else? Because well, well, I'm excited to Not see. Not that great. Because I do have a RockShox 38 Zeb Ultimate uh, coming for my new bike. So I, I did. I ordered it about four weeks ago. It will not come in until probably mid-October because the bike industry is just an absolute mess right now. Man, um, Elephant Rocks is popping. Man, look if y'all have never been to Elephant Rocks State Park, you've got to check it out. And if you're we coming- just watched about 25 motorcycles and six cars <laughs> pull in there right in front of us it's a good time but yeah no, I'm, I'm excited to try the 38 i i have no need for it at all but like the build that i have going on the bike there was just no reason not to throw in the nicest rock shocks fork i possibly could get Why and because the bike came factory with a fox 38 performance fork um and i'm sure it was a phenomenal fork i just i'm a sucker for rocks rock shocks they've been really good to me throughout my time in the industry um and I'm really looking forward to seeing what the Zep has to offer. So which one did you get? Did you I, get the Ultimate or the... Oh, yeah. I did, oh. Just, <laughs> I did the Zeb Ultimate. Uh, all those adjustments. <laughs> and what are you... Well, you, you, you know you'll what never do, play with you them. Know, you know what I'm going to do with those adjustments? You're going to get online, get a recommended setting, put them there, and never touch them again. I'm going to let Clinton borrow my bike for a weekend and give it back to me. Yeah, you won't like it. Because be every time I give Clinton my bike, it comes back with like four extra scratches, but the suspension tune I, is perfect. I did not <laughs> scratch your bike when I rode it in a cross-country race. I don't think. He scratched it a little bit. Oh, I... But, no! I... The, uh... Oh, you The did. water bottle <laughs> thing... Yeah, there was that. That's what chipped the paint. I but, didn't scratch nothing else. No, I'm sure you didn't. I don't think so. I didn't crash. If I scratched it, it was some kind of scratch that would have come from literally just riding. Yeah, no, yeah, it's not right, right, right. not crashing, not no, 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 no. anything. Yeah, right. It's, it's all riding scuffs, riding scuffs, and transport scuffs. But that's okay because every time I every time I get my bike back, it, the suspension's just totally dialed, and I that love it. It's better. I, <laughs> it I refuse to just. If I feel like it can be better, I'm not going to sit there and go, eh. Well, that's the thing. is like, I've, I've messed with it, and I think in my head, I understand all, all the adjustments do enough to know what I prefer for the kind of trails that I like to ride. The problem is, is that I set all my suspension up for jump trails, um, and then I don't often get to ride jump right. trails, because I prefer a really, I like a lot of support. I like, you know, a little bit slower of a rebound. I like a little bit more compression, a little bit more air. I like being able to pull back and push the bike around. And so I don't like having a soft suspension. However, I feel like your shock is usually like that. Yes. But sometimes I feel like your fork's too soft. Oh, you think so? Well, 
Yeah. Air pressure is probably a little different. So yeah, my, your I, weight's different. My weight's a little different, but my 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 shock always is stiffer. Like, like I run ten or twenty psi higher than recommended in it, and then I play with and it. And then from you there. put it in the middle mode on right. top of that, so it's like right. It's a lot of support, but for jump trails and float trails, it feels awesome. Now the problem is, is I don't have access to jump trails or float trails real often, so I run my suspension like that all the time, even when the trail I'm riding doesn't support that kind of setup because I just don't have the patience to go through and redial my suspension every time. However, when you ride my bike, you set it up for whatever trail you're going to ride, and then I enjoy riding it better afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I had it set. I, I imagine you would have liked how I had it set after that cross-country race I did on it because now I, that's I the, added a little more just to really keep it firm. Now, that's the only thing I liked about the setup on the bike. Everything else, I had to readjust. Seat position, handlebar position. Oh, I know. You still lever have position. Le your levers are at about a 65-degree, 70-degree angle right now. <laughs> dirt jump levers. They're dirt jump levers. Old, old boy rides flat moto levers. Mine aren't even flat. They're down a little. But, man, I would just I, – I don't think I, – I think I would crash with your brake lever setup. Because I wouldn't be able to find them, I'd be I'd be throwing my fingers out, reaching, pulling, and just grabbing air. <laughs> Especially going down what we're about to go down. Oh, no, we're going down when you're standing. Well, see, I think too. Grades. You know what I think I've noticed too? I ride a lot heavier weight on the front of the bike than you do. I, like riding position, when I'm riding and standing up, and maybe that's because I've got such a long torso and short, stumpy little legs that like more of my weight ends up over the bars. Yeah. So I I end up my body position is way further ahead than you are when descending. See, I I probably when I started riding mountain bikes I rode that way, but the problem is on a mountain bike it's slow because every time you hit a bump it slows you down to have your weight more in the front. Like it literally will slow you down. It's it's just faster to try to get your weight back. Now in the corners, I I'll get up there and make sure the front wheel has plenty of traction. But in general, just a straight line and stuff, it's it's slow to have your have your weight in the bars. And I had to I had to like consciously practice that for a long no, time. No, totally. And I know that it is because motocross on a four fifty, like <laughs> when you get on the gas, you you have to get some weight up front, or you're just gonna wheelie out. I, I don't have the consistent core strength <laughs> to, to ride in that body position. I have to support my weight <coughs> with my arms every time. <laughs> All right. So if I could get my hands on Transition Sentinel, which is now 150, 160, what? That's the. It, let's say I can get a similar spec. Well, here's the thing. So at a similar price. Even if you're looking at a Transition Sentinel, well, what should I do? I don't think the availability is going to be there. I think you'll have a much better chance of getting into a slash that you will send. I think you're right. I think you're right. As and far I as do, timing. Goes. I mean, I, there's a lot of things about the new slash I really like. Not least of which is the storage compartment and the new fork. I'm kind of pumped about that. And the new shock. Right. Um, I think that would probably be a more, a better option. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not too worried about the bro points with transition. Uh-oh, are our boys leaving us? Or did they just get here? Uh, probably just getting here. I don't know. They've been here for a while, I think. Probably been here for like 20 minutes. Oh, maybe they're just sessioning. Oh, man. Old All right, guys. E we got to go. We'll follow up when we're done. He brought an intense taser e-bike. What a guy. All right. All right.
Uh, sorry for the weird transition in the middle of the podcast, but we just got done writing at like Shepherd Mountain. It's almost, like you, it's almost like you couldn't edit that transition out. I'm not going to. <laughs> we, we, we do raw podcasts here, you know, unfiltered. <laughs> Unedited. Uh, unplanned, that's for sure. Unprofessional. Very unprofessional. But did we say we were the world's most professional podcast? No. No, no, no. It's in the title. We are the world's okayest mountain bike podcast. Anyway, just got done riding at Shepherd Mountain with some buddies. Uh, Devin Hines and Michael Fleeg. I feel like we should mention who they are. Totally. Yeah, so, so it's uh, STL Mountain Bike Camps and Sunday Shred It's, boys. Say that again. Sunday Shred It's. See, but I can never hear the R when you say it. Shred It's. It sounds like you're saying Shed It's. Shed it's. Like like a shed. Sunday shredits. Shredits. Yeah. I think we're gonna be in one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. camera. Yeah, got a lot of footage. Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll be more famous. <clears throat> so anyway, folks, since the last time we went down there, the last time I've checked in, they have completed. I'm guessing uh, a quarter of the Green Trail. Maybe a third. Maybe a third. I mean, it's going to be 1.7 miles long, so... Dude, the Green Trail's great. That was, I loved it. That was a ton of fun. Yeah. If you like riding bikes at all and you have a wife that enjoys mountain biking, uh, they will love My wife is going to love that trail. I can't wait to yes. get her out there. It's definitely fun for everybody. If you're advanced, it's fun because there are some, some things to get some air on, some little side hit lines. But if you don't want to jump at all... You just roll right down the middle of that. And there are huge berms, like A-line sized berms. Yeah, we didn't get to ride the big, big ones. Uh, they're not quite ready yet. We saw what they were working on, but we didn't want to go in and smash the loose, soft dirt that hasn't been packed yet. But these berms are huge. Like, they're the biggest berms I've seen in the Midwest that I know of. I mean, there might be a few at Leatherwood that I've seen that are that big. Fireline's got some decent sized burns. There, there's there's a couple on Fireline at Kohler that are about that size. Really? Yeah. There's only it's only like two though, but they're like they're like big downhill burns. You know what I mean? Like, right. But it's right. because it's it carries it, like it covers elevation. It's it, they're huge burns. Yeah, I guess you're, I guess so. I can't remember. Uh, anyway, Kyle uh, conquered some some fears. Oh. Can, can you talk us through coming up to a section you've never done before and just going for it uh yeah so last time we were out there's like a drop and it is an off camber loose rough run up to it so like you really don't get eyes on it until you're coming off the edge of it and so it's not that big of a drop it actually looks really fun it has like a nice catch and everything to it the problem is, is that when we did it last time i was uh blindly following you and i was watching your tire more than the trail and so by the time we got to it i was just not in a body position to hit it but i knew i could get it so this time i just rolled through hit it clean, felt great. And then uh, the other one that I didn't get last time that I didn't think I would get today is this really, really steep rock roll. And it, you kind of just fall off of this and it's such a steep, there's no there's no landing, it just continues to be steep all the way down uh, onto a sheer rock face and like on a big like just planter kind of rock, it's huge. Yeah, and then I, uh, I came through. I'd done it a bunch of times, so I wasn't worried about it. But um, <clears throat> turns out I found myself riding a line I've never done before today because as I came around this super steep left-handed turn, the line I usually take where the trail normally spits you out, uh, there was a guy there with his bike and his front wheel sticking completely in my line. So I had to uh, Sam Hill foot out, <laughs> whip the bike way to the inside, which actually turned out to be pretty smooth. 
Yeah, I didn't know. Uh, I, I didn't know old race pace here was going to keep on moving through the trail. I thought we were all uh, stopping to watch in session. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't ever feel like I'm trying to go faster on that turn. What I did today is just that's just me just through. trying to do make the turn. I, yeah, so maybe I, my brakes are bad or something. Well, I don't know. I, I stopped like ten feet further up the trail because you're right. I mean, like where I was sitting at was probably not a great place to be sitting because I was still I, definitely like I, in the like in the catch portion of that. But I, I came so, up that feature so slow that I was able to just control, like real simply stop there. So I've probably done that turn eight times now. Okay. And uh, the first seven, my bike went would have went straight through your front brake. <laughs> and today you were there, and so I just threw the inside foot out and, yeah, threw the bike on the edge of the tires. And turned out that's a much better line because usually what happens if I have to throw a foot out is, you know, my outside foot's down and there's a bunch of big chunky rock everywhere. I usually end up pedal striking trying to get my foot back in, but uh, you sent me, sent me so far inside that it was smooth that I didn't pedal strike anything. Let's, we'll call it line so, coaching. Too. We were line coaching. Appreciate that. But I, I was sketched out about that because like that feature is just there's no, it doesn't ever finish. Like it, it, like it's not like after you do the drop, then it's fine. It's like no, you roll off the drop, and then it's still super super steep and loose, uh, into more steep and loose, and it's like thirty feet down the trail before you get somewhere where you can like, like comfortably relax your body position. And so we've got a, one of our local boys uh, came down and wrecked on it like two or three times in a row. Uh, it, 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 not super bad, but like it looked like it hurt. And so I, today when I came down, yeah, he I whacked I, his head that first time. Oh, did he? Was it a, uh, Pretty sure he landed on his head. No, so I kept playing that in my head, and then uh, Mike rolled it real clean. I mean, just rolled it real clean all the way through. Looked super controlled, and I was like, man, I, I can ride like that. So I, it, I felt great. It, it was really fun to get that feature, and then the. Uh, that 25 foot doubles out of the bottom are good too. Those were big jumps. Yeah, you did. Those. I knew those would be fine. For yeah, you. those are fun. I, I didn't. The one I was standing on them though, they look, look huge. They when look, you're standing there. They look like very. They look like they're long distances, which I guess they are. They are. That's like 20, it's like a 25 foot deck gap at least on a couple of them. Yeah, that downhill, the step down, it's, it's got long. A, yeah. Like, no, they're twenty-five foot at least jumps. I mean, it's uh, and you got to be going really fast. So like, I like we were me and uh, me and uh, Devin were talking, and there was it was it felt like trestles, and it felt like trestles or like legitimate legit downhill jumps where you have plenty of speed. You don't have to shake speed at all at the jump. Whereas most jumps, at least anything we're riding in the Midwest, even if you're going to get it, besides the big like crab apple hits types things that they have out at uh, Passion Play, everything else um, that we ride. You've really got to almost speed check to for the jump. You know I mean if you want to yeah. catch a transition or you plan to just overshoot, and the lips feel really good. But these jumps were legitimate, like just how fast can you cook? And they're built in a way that you really can't overshoot them. I mean, like it's not possible. It's how how fast you want to go, and then how high do you want to pop. But it was there are good, really good three jumps, and I think that shark fin after it's going to be a blast too. Once that once that gets finished once it's up, ready. yeah, no, that was a fun that was a fun ride today. Yeah, I know. So when I came out off the cannon log, I went into the down through the hill around the turn to the next jump. I've done it before with my GPS on. I think I if you do it like that, I hit it around 26 miles an hour. Oh really? Yeah. But then the second time I did it today, I bet I was only going 21, 22 maybe. On the boner log? I was def no no no. Post hitting the yeah hitting the three at the bottom without okay. jumping the log at the top. Okay. Um, I definitely wasn't going as fast as I was off the log, full trail speed. 
but I still made it fine. Yeah, like no, there's a very good. wide. I just had to maybe very stretch it just a hair. And it was such a different feeling too, because like they're legit downhill jumps. I mean, they're most other jumps that I've hit on my mountain bike, not my not like my dirt jump bike. You actually have to pull for and not. And, and not just pull for, but kind of like pull and kick and like hop. Make sure you don't nosedive. Yeah, like you kind of feel like you you have to kind of finesse it. Whereas this, like you really do just pull. I mean, it's just just pull and lift. You don't have to kick too hard or nothing, and you just send like yeah. all the way to transition on all three of them in a row. They're built really well. Just sail. Oh, they're just so, sailing. They were so much fun. Yeah, they're very fun. Um, <clears throat> so I'm gonna ask Kyle to do something that's not in his wheelhouse. But Kyle, so you're riding. A new bike, which is really the same frame that you had, just a, a different color, really. Yeah, right, a couple different components, but yeah. Um, but the main difference, the most significant difference, is the shock. Okay. So you had a uh, RockShox Deluxe reactive through shaft, same one that's on the the old Slash, came yeah. on the Remedy. That's what you had, I think. Well, no, I, I had no, a, no, you had the Fox one, didn't you? Yeah, I, went, I, I had that shock two years ago, and then I, I'm coming off of a Fox factory something. You had the float DPS with the through shaft and reactive valve on your on your last bike. Correct, yep. So this is basically the same bike, but with a, what is it, the, the Fox DPX, DPX X2? Yeah, it's a DPX2. DPX2. Traditional DPX2, no reactive, no through shaft. No reactive, no through shaft. Um has the external reservoir it actually has like i think the the um the oil path or whatever the way it goes through is like basically the same as the float x2 i think so too yeah, yeah. uh it shares it shares some uh some, some it just doesn't to... have the adjustability it's not as big of a stand like, there's, there's, like, there's definitely a lot of significant differences but, but it shares it shares the same skeleton roughly so uh, could you tell any difference? So I'm bad about that. Like Clinton said, um, this shock, the way I have it set up today felt plusher. Um, and it felt like it gave more when I needed it to, and was pretty firm when I needed it to be. So it felt like a more dynamic shock, but I, it's hard to tell. I was just so happy to be riding my new bike today that like, it, it just, it really did. It felt phenomenal. And <clears throat> I would have to ride them side by side because I was coming off of a great shock before. I mean, like that was that Fox factory shock was phenomenal just with the reactive and the through shaft. I don't know if reactive or through shaft gives you much though. You're an advantage to a traditional shock. The only, the only <laughs> thing that reactive valve is going to give you an advantage, I think is if you're racing cross country. Okay. I mean, honestly, and even then I'm still not sold on it. Um, well, I don't think Trek is either because yeah, they got it, rid of it. Because Trek's not doing it for 2021. I think it lasted two years for them. So. Now, and apparently that was the problem because their enduro team is actually running the new through shaft shock with no reactive, whereas before they just ran like a standard Rock Shock Super Deluxe. Yep. Um, so they're actually running the shock that comes on the bike. So I think maybe that reactive valve was the bigger part of the problem of making it where it just didn't feel as plush. Right. Um, even with it open, I think it's still well, a little bit there. Well, and Trek has had, like, they, they've been using a proprietary style shock for the past 10 years. And so they've gone from... Uh, yeah, I, that to, reactive valve was on my 2016 bike I had. Was it? The reactive was? Well, yeah. so they had... They, they, yeah, but, when I had that Remedy 8, okay. aluminum Remedy 8, I think it was a 2016. Well, before that, they had DCRV, which is dual... 
dual canister or dual rate control valve. Yeah. Um, they had, before that they had something else. So Trek, Trek has been using in their main trail bike some sort of proprietary technology for the past forever. I mean, really up until this year. And so Trek this year made some pretty significant changes to their bike away from their own proprietary tech, which was really exciting to see. So well, let me ask you this: Why is it? You hate on Cannondale when they do their proprietary stuff, but you're fine with the Trek, does it? Because Trek proprietary stuff isn't like an entire design of a bike around a proprietary shop. Like Rock, like Cannondale will design something really, really bizarre, and then design a whole bike around that really bizarre thing for no reason, in my opinion. And I and let's let's face it, Cannondale hasn't been a main mountain bike in the limelight of you know giant specialized Trek you know, Santa Cruz or in that they haven't been in the same breath as those brands in 15 years, not 10 years, you know, Cannondale just hasn't had bikes on the market that are as exciting or as uh, consistent as those other bikes. have. I mean, Cannondale Did makes a great you bike. see this question coming? Well, you I, should have. I, I didn't see that one coming, but I've, I've, I've been asked that before for the same reasons. I like Trek. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes I'm like, well, if we're going to be fair, we need to be fair. All right, we're running in to get some ice cream, and we might finish this up again in a minute. All right, we're back at the car. <laughs> ice cream. Post-ride tacos and ice cream. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the all the weight loss benefits I could have had today just went bye-bye. Um, I'm probably going to gain weight, even yep. after all that work. We, burned, um, we might have burned 2,000 calories, but we ate 6,000. Well, <clears throat> I had to try the new cinnamon bun ice cream, because I love cinnamon. <laughs> It's not what I thought. It's not as good as I was hoping. I want my cinnamon ice cream to look like chocolate ice cream because it has so much cinnamon in it. That's my jam. <laughs> this is just vanilla ice cream with some pieces of a cinnamon roll in it. It's okay. It's not that special. Though. But what we did do was we got a quart and some ice cream for the women folk back home so we don't get in trouble. Because uh, we spent five hours riding bikes today and we probably should have only spent two. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, I'm going to get banned from riding with you if I can't make it faster than that. Same. So. That's why I only make it down uh, once every other six weeks or so, because this is what happens every time. Mm -hmm. I blame Devin and my... It's their fault. What were we talking about? Proprietary tech with mountain bikes. Ah. So I was so stoked about this because so many brands, Cannondale, Trek, you know, being two two frequent offenders specialized though too specialized has their weird brain shocks and other stuff like that like every brand has some form of proprietary tech and most times trek guilty of it more than most they kind of don't care what the consumer says about the feedback about it like they'll just push a thing and everybody nobody is ever like oh man i'm so glad they did it to my bike let's talk about knock block for a second knock block never bothered me it, it, it wasn't a big deal i didn't care at all it's on my bike, and I don't care. It has never affected the way I ride anything at all. Now, with that said, there's a lot of people that hated knock block. And this is the kind of thing where Trek normally would just be like, well, we got knock block now because one year we said it was the best thing ever, uh, that the frame design and the improvements that we were able to get out of using it, uh, it wasn't worth it. We're going to stick with it forever. So with that said, Trek, after about three years or two years of knock block, finally said, you know what? We heard from enough people. We're going to take out our knock block technology and move, make the frame so that the fork can clear the frame underneath so you don't have to use it. So the new slash has an optional knock block. So all it does is prevent your bars from smashing your top tube in a wreck. 
But if you just if you want to run no knock block, you can just pull the knock block chip out and run it just wide open like a normal bike, which is awesome. So and the other thing they did too, which Trek has been pushing forever, is press fit bottom brackets. I hate press fit bottom brackets. Now I haven't had personally any trouble with them in the past few years, but if you want to take out a bottom bracket to do any kind of maintenance, you can never reuse a press fit bottom bracket. At least not any kind of factory one. Like the wheels manufacturing makes a nice threaded one. It's neat, but like everything else you can't they're just a pain in the butt you have to have all kinds of special tools to take them out put them in uh etc but trek said you know what guys maybe this press fit bottom bracket thing this is the best idea new slash threaded bottom bracket again and i was so happy to see that like it's really neat to see a huge brand like trek who's been pushing kind of proprietary stuff uh for so long it's actually listen to the consumer and say you know what we're just gonna we're, we're just gonna put this back because we don't think it benefited us to continue with it and i thought that was awesome that they did the, 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 those two new things with the slash specifically so we know all about the slash the remedy has not changed in a couple years you're right it is still the best bike ever whatever they haven't changed it at all didn't you think they'll it. just keep it this is is the is the current track remedy going to be the bike that just stays the same for like 10 years man I wish I could say yes, but if I have to guess, this is the last year for the Trek Remedy. What do you think is going to happen? I don't know. I'm kind of curious. So Trek has kind of shied away from entirely 27.5 bikes. Uh, they used to have options. They used to do all kinds of stuff with the 27.5 wheel size. Uh, Trek has pretty much predominantly gone back to exclusively making uh, 29ers, with the exception of the Roscoe Hardtail, which is a hilariously fun bike. Um, I So... The, We've saw the kind of movement that Trek is making right now with their lineup with the stash. So the stash was the greatest hardtail ever made, still is. Um, and it, for 2021, Trek thought it was so great they're not going to make it anymore. <laughs> so they. It's how good it was, people. That's yeah, how good it was. Well, what we saw though was at one point in time in the heyday of you know plus size bikes, the stash had I think five different models. They had two aluminum and three different carbon models available, and then eventually it was two aluminum and a carbon and then eventually it was one aluminum one carbon and then for 2021 it doesn't exist anymore and that's kind of what i'm seeing happening with the remedy so as of right now today is like mid-september trek has only one aluminum remedy and one carbon remedy and my imagine is that bikes only really sells in areas with bike parks uh, i think your average trail rider right now understands and knows the benefits of a 29er the speed it can carry and have just moved completely over to the 29er platform again um and the only guys that care about 27.5 bikes are guys that ride bike parks and like jibbing and playing around and doing doing jumps and whipper bales and stuff like that so let's just imagine so if i'm <clears throat> here's a here's a lineup that makes sense to me for trek to have assuming they want to get away from 27.5 as a because i think well, I don't know. It's it. It seems crazy to me that they would totally get rid of a twenty-seven-five bike. I think but... so too. And that mid-travel class. So, like right now, with the with the remedy out, there's nothing between a fuel X and a slash. It goes from a one thirty, one forty trail bike. Here's why. To a one sixty, one seventy enduro race weapon, and it, like that's a big gap in there. You know what I mean? Is it though? I mean, okay. Let's think about. Here's Trek's lineup now. We've got. Of, as far as like their advanced bike, so there's the super caliber. Well, there's the pro caliber hardtail, pro caliber hardtail, and the super caliber. So that takes care of your like 
tried and true cross country race. race. Yeah. What I could see him doing is going with the top fuel. What is it? what's it? One fifteen rear travel. I think it's one. I, I think, 120? I think it's one ten. I think it's one ten. It's one ten. One twenty. One ten. One twenty. Yep. Okay. One, leave that alone. Right. Leave that alone. Maybe make it a half a degree slacker up front. Maybe. Maybe half a degree. Then you there you've got your down country bike. <clears throat> Take the current fuel EX. Give it the Norco optic treatment. So don't don't bump up the travel, but make it a little more a little more playful than what it is. Now I haven't ridden as a trail, or, or just keep it as your all-around trail bike. I don't know that it needs more travel. Maybe right. make it 140, 140, or just leave it 130. Shoot, leave it 130, 140. It's right. fine. There's nothing wrong with it. And then your slash. I don't think you need a bike in between those. I really don't. I, I don't think. I don't think. But the thing it, is, is that right now, the nine thousand dollar Trek slash nine point nine is a thirty-two pound bike okay. out of the box. And like, I think between the Fuel X 9.9, which weighs like 26 pounds, to a 32 pound race weapon, I think there's got to be something in there for the trail rider who travels a little bit outside the Midwest. So here's what they could do that Specialized has done. Now this isn't a lightweight option, but Specialized has come out with a new bike. Can't remember what it's called. It only comes in one spec. It's aluminum. It's like a. It's like a 140. 150 or 140, 160, 29er that's made for like bros who want a trail ride, race enduro. It's going to be their only bike, but it's a basher. Right. But it's not a super long travel. Right. And that's kind of what the Remedy feels right now. And so there's a chance. Yes. I, so I, I so would you be, could do the Remedy with 29 inch wheels, basically exactly as it is. And there you go. Right. And I would be really surprised if they, if they axed the, the Remedy. So like the Remedy is really what started the transition of Trek into big travel 29ers back in 2014. So I had a Remedy 29 back in 2015. And it was that it, it, it won bike of the year across the board. Every magazine and online publication said, this is the best bike we've ever ridden. Um, and the Remedy the remedy caught that award for many years in a row so like there's a lot of accolades and r&d into the long travel 29er platform that they they sprouted with the remedy so i'd be really surprised to see the remedy disappear entirely i do expect next year to be a totally different bike though than what it is currently maybe they'll give you a mullet option like this is like for the fun you're not a hardcore serious racer that wants a slash that's literally about giving you the fastest time top to bottom, but you want a bike that's made to go downhill in jib. Right. Basically. Which is what my push with the remedy is now. Which is what the remedy is now, but maybe with a uh, mullet setup. See, I, I can see do them what? doing that. I can see Trek has done weird stuff like that before, and Trek has actually had mullet bikes out of the gate twelve years ago. Dude, they Trek. could do a 150, 150, or even like a yeah, they could do like a one fifty one fifty mullet bike. Yeah, that bike would be a blast, and, they, and, and they've done it before. Trek was the first company ever to do a 69er and they had a 26 rear 29 front hardtail back in 2008 or 2009 and it had a dual crown fork it was a dual crown uh uh an inverted stanchion 29er fork on a hardtail and it didn't sell real well because it was yeah. way before its time but it was cool that they did it so it wouldn't surprise me to see if trek did something like that with the remedy hey if i'm gonna keep my bike at least until next spring 
if not later. If I can get my hands on a Fox Float X2 for what's what would be the cutoff? Like that's a good deal. Let's say it's used, but someone's like, I, it's just been serviced, like full rebuild. It's the it's the updated version with the, it's not like three years old where the cans used to explode because they had too much pressure. Uh, I can get the hardware for it. I think that right now, if I could change one thing on my bike, it would be that shop because I do think it's still not plush going through all the gnarly stuff. But right. if I make it plush, I can't make it progressive enough and get the bottom out resistance I need. Because I still bottom out. It's not like I've got it super stiff, but it's just not quite, I still don't think it works as good as that Fox would. So here's the question. Just run what I have because I don't foresee any enduro racing happening for me until next spring anyway. So I don't need a great shock because the only way I would spend the money is if I was wanting to race it. And I, there's no races on the schedule that I would need that. 2020 is the worst. Do I try to get a shock for Christmas or just run what I've got? Run what you got. By the time you have a feasible time to actually use that rear shock, meaning we're po- we're past the freeze-thaw of, 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 the, of the season of Christmas in the winter, you are going to be looking at getting your new slash. You would, you would, you would, probably you would, true. You would have minimal miles and benefit out of that expense. This is and it, probably and it, true. And, and it would increase the value of your bike when you sold it by zero. Nobody cares. Also true. Yes. Do people care that my bars are 750? Yep. No, they shouldn't. Because it's the best width for a handlebar. <laughs> I, I, just, I just sold a bike and the guy never even asked what the bar width was. He didn't care. Yeah. People, you don't need 800 millimeter bars. If, unless you are over 6'6". Six, six. Then maybe. Then maybe. Let's Even talk then about it's something else for a second, too. So uh, in that neighborhood, I love building bikes. I love everything about it. I love everything about the part selection, choosing what you want, ordering the parts, getting them in, buying a bike, tearing it down, rebuilding it. I love everything about it. You know what I hate? Cutting handlebars. Cutting handlebars. I hate it. It's not that hard. I well, hate you it. hate it because you buy carbon bars. I, buy carbon I have cut aluminum bars before. As long as you are, ha, have the tool, it's not it's hard. Easy. No, it's not. No, like using a saw is easy. The idea of using a saw on a ten thousand dollar mountain bike, well, I hate the idea of that. And then but just got, remember, you're only using a saw on a sixty dollar handlebar or a hundred and sixty dollar handlebar. In my case. Well, that's dumb. I, I if if I had the option to build a bike, and I say, okay, we're gonna. You're going to get pricing on this bike as if it's a full build already, so it's not going to be astronomical. But you can save money if you spec down. I'd start with a Trek 9.8. I would I would save whatever money I could going back to an aluminum bar. And, and if the stems are cheaper, I don't know, whatever. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> that's about it. I'll tell you what else I would do. I mean, I'll say one thing I'm doing for sure is uh you know this bike i put a 200 millimeter rotor out back Mm -hmm. i am definitely keeping that for the next bike i'm gonna throw the 180 back on to sell it because that's what it came with i'm keeping the adapter and the rotor and it's immediately going on whatever bike comes next we can talk about brakes real quick too because my first time ever throwing a leg over this bike that i just rode today (laughs) was 
on one of the steepest, gnarliest, loosest descents I've ridden in the past eight weeks. And I have a set of brand new uh, SRAM code brakes. Didn't even cross my mind. They've got race pads in them. They've got metallic pads. So, like, I thought for sure that these things were just going to fight. pads? Yeah. Mine are organic. So, uh. I was like, I have no questions at all about this is going to work. However, I forgot that you have to bed in new brakes, just like a race car. Especially metallic. Especially metallic. So I go pitching down this trail, uh, chasing you, and only had front brakes <laughs> for, for the first probably a couple hundred feet of steep and loose. And uh, I was puckered, to say the least. Oh, that trail. Good, good way to bed them in, though. we got to figure out how to make people not go off in the uh, water drainage. On that. I'm sure out. they'll sort it out. we got to figure out how to get the top to the top of it. <laughs> So, uh, say a prayer. Hour. It takes an hour how to get up there. Say a prayer for our buddy Dave. Oh, he is man. he is the most dedicated to mountain biking progress I know person. He has been for zero for zero, for zero benefit, money zero personal benefit. He has made not a dime. Uh, he spent months a month living down in Ironton in a little bitty camper shell, volunteering all his time to build the climbing trail. He took a break in August because it was blazing hot. And uh, his plan was to come back basically this week to finish cutting in the climbing trail. Yay! But poor Dave, he he was demoing a bike. The the suspension was set up just a little too soft for him. He cased a jump. And uh, turns out he broke his tibia down by his ankle. So Dave's out. And honestly, I'm not really worried about the climbing trail because... Whatever, it'll get done eventually. Poor Dave, though. Man. But Dave, poor Dave. Oh, that's terrible. No, now, Dave, Dave he's, is poor. He's so much into the St. Louis mountain bike community here, especially in the past like 24 months. Like yeah. Dave, Dave got back into biking uh, within the past few years, and has just really made it a focal point of his existence to contribute in any way possible to hit to the the mountain biking community. Not not personal, Dave. Anything like Dave, it's been it's been great, and especially the Ironton project. Uh, the Eureka Project. I mean, any any mountain bike project that you've gotten to ride around the St. Louis area that's been done in the past few couple of years, Dave has been some way on the back way of doing it. So we're, we're, we're definitely hoping a uh, quick recovery for Dave. Here's another random thought. This is the most random podcast we will ever do. <laughs> we had no plan, people. We're just like, we're together. This rarely happens. We should start recording. Isn't there another guy usually on here? Yeah, we're having Ryan. Oh, Ryan. That's yeah. his name. Okay, yeah, right. I forgot about him. <laughs> I think Ryan was going to go steal some handlebars from my house today, actually. I think so. I know, with the weather, the way, look at the way it did, I thought maybe I'd end up coming to you to ride the pump track, but right. I think it's raining a lot more up there. It was dumping when we came, when we left. Anyway, um, I want to talk about, say a few words about e-bikes. Uh, if you ride an e-bike and you plan on riding it downhill, my suggestion to you is get the biggest, gnarliest, meaty tires you can <laughs> for the reason of you can brake harder uh our buddy Devin I hope he listens to this I don't I'm not talking behind your back Devin I I made fun of him in person for this but he's on a intense taser sweet bike it's a sweet bike but it's heavy because it's me bike it's like 52 pounds or something like that he's rocking high roller twos on his e-bike he has the most mellow low profile tires of anybody on the mountain today <laughs> and he's on the heaviest bike and 
Gravity was in his favor coming down. And that man. bike picks up some momentum. Man. Oh my! There were it several was, times I thought he was gonna die. It was just full steamrolling, just barreling down the trail, yeah. man. Bigger knobs break better. Just keep that in mind. <laughs> However, that, that being said, that thing rolled fast. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely rolled. Um, you know, by this time, a lot of pretty much everybody's seen the video that the guy in the e wheelchair mountain bike posted, where he's rolling up the trail, the trail and he gets harassed. And I'm not even going to talk about the, the dum-dum that yelled at him and his wife. I really, my prayers are that that was staged, but I don't think it was. I don't think so. Really. It looked legit. However, e-bike haters need to get a life. Especially, of course, I don't see it coming much from the enduro crowd. doesn't seem to care. No. But if you are a gravity-oriented person, that's your jam. An e-bike is not an advantage going downhill. <laughs> it's not. I mean, unless it's a super smooth, wide open flow trail where you can build tons of momentum, but you don't need to pedal. It's not an advantage. No. Well, Devin, Devin brought the e-bike today because no. he was thinking we were going to go up the climbing <laughs> he trail. He thought we were going to go up either a, a fire he, road or a climbing trail. And he was bringing all his camera equipment to get some shots on the way down. <laughs> so Devin, Devin had a hard time pushing a 52 pound bike. Up uh, uh, straight uh, up and, a black trail and up uh, yeah an hour up a double black hill. <laughs> we we pushed straight up the steepest trail on the hill. What and is it? Six hundred and fifty foot and elevation. He, he couldn't find the walk button that's supposed to help like push the bike for you. <laughs> yeah, so he had the he, worst climbing experience that anyone has had on that hill so far. He was. He was I was laughing a lot, but also we'll I did sure, feel bad for him. We'll make sure we get the. Uh, we'll be make we'll make sure we get the jagged axe boy to get a shuttle for us next he, time. Well, he should have. He should have said, "I'll see you boys at the top," and just taken the road. That that would have been the, the move. You know, like I'll see you guys up there. Take the jeep road. Whatever. Right. Well, poor poor Devin didn't have the option. He didn't even know where that was. He didn't even know. <laughs> we that didn't was, even tell him. That was terrible of uh, us. That's why I, sh I should have told him, but I thought he had the walk button, and it would have been okay. Well, he does have the walk button. We just did not he use it. couldn't figure out how to use it. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're almost back home. Thanks for listening. Sorry there's not, like, a, uh, you know, beginning, middle, and end to this. We do want to record some more podcasts, though, and I think we're looking for topics at this point. We need point. topics. You like, all need to email. What do you guys want us to argue about on this on the next podcast? Yeah. OKSMTB at gmail.com. Look us up on Facebook. Post comments on Facebook. Tell us what you want to hear about because we're, you know, we're not professional podcasters. We don't make any of this. We do it for fun and we like doing it. But if you want good content, we need your help. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody.